I think it's story time again. Does anyone want to come forward for story time? You can stay where you are. You can come up. Okay, this is the story of the Tower of Babel. You remember what happened to Adam and Eve? Like, at the very beginning, God gave them a really beautiful place and lots of uh, rules about what they could do. Just a few about what they couldn't do. Well, they didn't like the don't rules. They only liked the do rules. Do you guys like the don't rules better or the do rules? You can do this, but you can't do that. You like the can-do rules. Me too. You like the can-do or the can't-do? Oh, you are really special because most people don't like the can't-do rules. They had the can't-do rules and they didn't want the can't-do rules. They only wanted the do-do rules. And so they wanted to be like God. And they, were, they were like God in a lot of ways. But they couldn't do a, a few things, and and they decided they're going to do the can't-do rules. And that was really, really bad for them. When they did the can't-do, they did the do-do with the can't-do, and they made do-do when they did the do-do with the can't-do. So they had a, a couple little boys, right? One was Cain and one was Abel. Cain also did the do-do with the can't-do. And he hurt his brother. He killed his brother because he was jealous. And God said, I'm going to make you wander all over. But Cain decided he's going to stick around and build a city. And so Cain built this city. So that's all sort of at the start. Um, and it didn't seem like they were going out. You know, God said, I want you to... I made you so that you could be really, really good to the whole earth. So got to go all over the place to be really, really good. I don't want just the good happening in one place. I want it happening in all the places. But people settled down. More and more and more people after Cain and Abel started to come. We're going to hear about Noah's Ark next time. But for this time, just imagine lots and lots of people and they figured out how to build really big things. Do you guys, who has Legos? Yeah, Legos are cool because they're all the same shape. Well, people figured out instead of trying to cut a big stone and make it fit, they could bake bricks and they would all be the same size like a Lego. And you could do really big things if you had exactly the same size stuff. People were getting smarter and smarter. They said, hmm. We want to be great like God. We want to be really, really special. We want to make a name for ourselves. Let's use this new technology. It's not the computer. It's the brick. And they decided they'd make this giant, giant tower. Have you guys heard of the pyramids? You have. You haven't. Pyramids are great giant triangles that are m really, really big, and they're really, really old. And to make really, really big things, you usually need slaves. 
probably to make this giant tower, they had to have some people that did all the really, really hard stuff. And like, you're a good builder and crafter. I think God likes builders and crafters, except when they say, guess what? If we could do this, we could do anything. We don't even need God. We just need one another. God came down. He saw what they were doing. He saw where this was going. Like, okay, probably they're making some people do the really, really hard work, and they're trying to make a name for themselves. And God's like, okay, once they do this, they're going to think, they can get along without me. They just need one another and their Legos to build giant things. That's not going to be good for them because they need me. We need to work together. And so God had an idea. What if some people could only be understood and talk to certain people and other people couldn't understand what they were saying, but they could understand one another. He made a whole bunch of different languages you know why I think God made a bunch of languages? Because God loves Pad Thai. <laughs> it's like if everyone just sticks in one place and they have the same language, that's ruining the idea that we had. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We wanted this giant world with all sorts of different people who spoke different languages and made different kinds of food. This isn't working. We need to help them obey and so he confused the languages now we have pad thai so that was the idea of the story of babel now you might find a group of people who all just want to do one thing and do it without god as you're growing up you'll find lots of people like join our group we don't really care about god or we're not really thinking about that and we're all part of those groups at some point but it, then it gets hard. How do we obey God and be with a group of people who might not know or want to obey God? And how about the don't rules? Are you guys okay obeying the don't rules even if you don't like them? Raise your hand if you're okay. You're going to obey the don't rules even if you don't like them. All right, you're, still, you're still thinking about it. That's okay. So are most of us, honestly. God has a plan. It's way better than our plan. Way better. But we think our plan's good. That's the story of Babel. You can go back to your seats. Yeah, there's some interesting parts to this uh, story. And what the story is not saying is God doesn't want unity and God doesn't like human achievement. I don't believe that's, but we, we read that. Oops, that's not it. We read that in the story with these words. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language they've begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will 
not understand each other. There is that, right? You kind of see that. Oh, God doesn't like unity. God doesn't like human achievement. I don't believe that's what that's saying. Uh, (laughs) Even with the same language, we can confuse one another. I think the story of Babel is, um, is talking about pride, not unity or human achievement. So God lives in community. Father, Son, God exists in community. And God said, it's not so good for the man to be alone. Like we know he's not dissing community here or unity here because God lives in unity and community and created us to live in community. And God loves human achievement despite what we're seeing here. The proverb that says, it's the glory of God to conceal the matter and it's the glory of kings to search it out. That's the scientific the scientific posture in the Middle Ages was God has Easter eggs hidden and it's up to us to s- discover them. The, the early scientists were worshipers and they were about uncovering the glory of God in the mysteries that surround us. God loves it when we're coming together to achieve things and to see things and to discover things. He made us explorers and discoverers and achievers So I don't think the story is telling us that. The sin of Babel is pride. It's it's unity and achievement without God. It's the separation of God from our unity and from our achievement. And the story of Babel is the story of Babylon. Actually, that's where Babylon grows up, about 50 miles south of Iraq, where we guess Tower Babel and connection between Babel and Babylon. And Babylon becomes this, uh, in scripture, this archetype, this idea. It's worship of self. It's uh, leveraging violence and exploitation and separation from God to bring glory to the city or to the self or to the, the people. Um, I think Babylon is the archetype for uh, empire, for the city of man. So in uh, the early 400s, Augustine wrote City of God. He's trying to explain how, you know, when when, uh, Constantine declared, we're going to adopt Christianity, and, you know, a few decades later, Rome collapses. It's like, hey, wait must be adopting Christianity that did this. And so Augustine writes, City of God. And creates this idea of these two, Tale of Two Cities was really written in the 400s, you know, the first Tale of Two Cities. City of God, City of Man, that was Augustine's work. Zion, Babylon, Empire, Kingdom of God. Those are the contrasts. And this is what we see in the first Babylon, in the Tower of Babel. Um, let's, uh, I want you to see something. Ross and I were trying to uh, align, um, you know, this first use in this space of our technology, and we're going to try to align sound and picture. 
Ross is going to give me a countdown. We'll see if my thumb or his finger is quicker. You know, this was me five years ago, and it's still me. But I confess, I'm a waistline watcher from way back. Well, that's enough for today. Now for a lively lift. Ice-cold Coca-Cola. There's no waistline worry with Coke, you know. Actually, this individual size bottle has no more calories than half a grapefruit. Mmm, another thing, the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Coke's a natural, wholesome blending of pure food flavors. I guess that's why everyone likes the refreshing new feeling you get, only from not-too-sweet Coca-Cola. And no wonder, lively, lifty Coca-Cola provides a welcome bit of quick energy between meals. Makes for a pleasant pause in a busy day. Oh, and remember, Coke is low in calories, too. Say, now, don't you get any thinner. How to cultivate covetousness. Like, and, and you know, the Coke Corporation is not trying to get you to drink Coke to benefit society or to benefit even uh, an individual. It's a corp, it's a thing. Like, they are marshalling all of their energies to get us to covet something that we might not normally want anyway in order to build this empire. Like, and we've been doing it a long time, even before 1961. I mean, just go into an antique shop and you will see the length of time we've been materialists. <laughs> an antique shop is a monument to the length of time we've been materialistic. Like, it's just this accumulation of stuff. How long we've been accumulating stuff? And to the benefit of what? It's not society. It's not the, the masses. This is a picture of empire. We are really good at stirring up covetousness for empire. Can we stir up desire for the kingdom? How do we stir desire for God's kingdom? Uh, I guess it was maybe two weeks ago. I was in Mexico City. And there, were, there are places where you see the kingdom flourishing. There's places where you see the kingdom not around. One of those places was, uh, I think his name was Antonio. His guy on the street kept meeting us in different places, showing up mysteriously. Like, oh, he's in the restaurant. And Antonio uh, did this beatbox routine that he was, you know, trying to get money for. He was actually really good at it. And he was also really high. And so you see in Antonio this person who's sort of caught up in the jaws of Babylon in a lot of ways, addicted and and cut out in a lot of ways. Maybe some of it was poor choices, or maybe he never really had any good choices. I don't know his story. We kept giving him money. He kept entertaining us with his beatbox. He'd incorporate your name into this sort of beatbox routine. It's really pretty clever. He's so high. And when I see where the kingdom isn't, I, I'm not always... It doesn't... It makes me 
a little hungry to see the kingdom come mostly makes me sad. <laughs> what gave me a, a stirring for the hunger of the kingdom is seeing Antonio and also seeing Baruch and Luna. So the couple in the middle of that picture, this is a group that we had there doing a variety of things. And they were, they lived in Mexico City and they were seeing the kingdom come. And so seeing the kingdom not and watching someone bring the kingdom, that made me hungry. Uh, more than my desire for Coke is like, I see the hunger for the kingdom and I see the partial fulfillment and man, that's like an appetizer for the meal of the kingdom. That's what we need is growing in hunger. And sometimes if we focus on where the kingdom isn't, we just get sad. <laughs> I do. Stirring up that hunger, not for empire, not for corporations, but for the kingdom, the city of God, not the city of man. That's what we need to do. Um, I like how Jesus... Well, the, the Great Commission first said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and birds of the air and every living thing that moves on the ground. And those words, you know, mala, fill the earth, it also used satisfy. Satisfy the earth because you've got something the earth needs. Kabosh, subdue. I want you to take those things that are out of alignment and bring them into alignment under my authority and rule over this idea of governing. I want the good governing flourishing qualities that I possess that I've placed in you to be exercised over the entire earth. That's the, the first great commission. And um, Jesus put it... Uh, this way. I don't have it up there. Um, strive first and foremost for the kingdom of God and its righteousness. Look at, you know, I know you're hungry. Look at the birds. God feeds them. God can take care of you. All you have to do is put the kingdom first. Don't worry about food. Look at the lilies. They're gorgeous. They're absolutely gorgeous. The most amazing fashion designer will take care of you. I want you, instead of chasing after food or clothing or spouses or cars, if you give yourself to seeking first my kingdom and its justice, all this will be taken care of. That's the sort of how do we extract ourselves from the Babylonian desire for Coke and whatever, you know, is being stirred up and give ourselves not to those desires, but to the desire for the kingdom. Um, let's compare and contrast Babylon versus Zion, the empire whether it's the British Empire, the American Empire, Chinese Empire, Russian Empire, the great empires of today, with the kingdom of God. Empires typically built on violence, requires violence in order to establish it, protect it. 
Jesus, um, when he was brought before Pilate, he said, uh, my empire is not of this world. If it were, my servants would use violence to prevent me. Uh, there's a guy, Walter Wink, he's a theologian, um, who says when that word cosmos, the world, is used, it's sometimes referring to the world domination system is how he interprets cosmos. You know, the, the world often in the nations or whatever, ta ethne uh, is the Greek. It means the ethnes, the ethnos of this world. But sometimes cosmos, we, where we get sort of worldly or the world and its desires for coke is passing away. Those who, you know, do my will live forever. That word is sometimes like this world domination. So if my servants were of this domination system, they would use violence to rescue me. But they're not of this world. Violence is the way of empire. Those who sow in peace reap a harvest of justice or righteousness is James 3.18. That's the difference between city of God, Babylon, empire, and the kingdom of God, the city of God. Did I say city of God? City of man. Um, materialism versus generosity. Uh, the... Uh, the way that empire works tends to concentrate wealth. It is a centripetal force, draws wealth into a few places. The, the economy of the kingdom is centrifugal. Like it, it tends to be pulled out to the edges. That's how you distinguish the economy of God versus the economy of empire. Like concentration of wealth versus wealth going to the the margins. Um, I think of the, you know, hoarding versus the sharing all things in common in, in Acts 2 and 4. Like, they shared things in common. They, they were uh, not centralizing, but decentralizing wealth. They brought it together and then they shared it with one another. That's the sort of prophetic alternative they were living in the Roman Empire, which was a place where wealth tended to be concentrated into fewer and fewer hands. And then I think of marginalization versus inclusion. You know, excluding others in order to center the powerful instead of this Matthew 25 sheep and goats thing where it's like, you know the hungry, you know the prisoner, you know, the naked, that's me. And in as much as you center those folk, you've centered me. That's countercultural to the, the city of man, to Babylon. Um, you know, the disabled community, uh, women, those tend to be excluded in empire. And, uh, of course, the, the demonic stronghold in the U.S. and in a few other places, I think, is racism. That sort of idea of we exclude uh, in a way that's um, harmful to others versus this Matthew 25. We see Jesus, especially in the margins. And then extraction, 
versus flourishing. So this idea of we extract labor, we extract raw materials in order generally to benefit a few versus we seek harmony and flourishing. That may be a different way to think about those things that the environment can be exploited, people can be enslaved, and those are ways that empire tends to operate versus the kingdom of God, versus Zion. Here's the real trick. How do you live in Babylon without being of Babylon? The exiles in the ancient Babylon were told, I want you to build houses there. I want you to seek the prosperity of Babylon. Oh man, wait, I thought we should like, you know, separate and create our own little city of God in contrast. Nope, I want you to be in Babylon. I want you to see prosperity and flourishing and shalom, seek the peace of Babylon, the city into which I've exiled you. And Jesus, in his high priestly prayer in John 17, he prays, Father, don't take them out of this world. But they're not of this world any more than I am. This really tense place that we live in, I want you to be in this exploitative, exclusive, extraction broken system of broken shalom i want you to be in there but i don't want you to be of there that's the charge we have that's the challenge we have you know jesus in matthew 20 it's like you know that the rulers of the gentiles load, lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them not so among you you are to live prophetically as people of the kingdom in empire that's a challenge the tension that we live we subdue babylon by exorcising babylon in us i feel babylon when i rent a car as i travel and it's better than my car you know, we don't have the uh, backup camera on the dash and uh, GPS that you can put on the dash. And I, I, oh man, I feel it in my stomach. Like I want this car. And I promise you, as soon as we get, and you know, the, those things aren't bad or wrong. As soon as Janine and I get a car that has those things, I'm going to rent another car that's better and want that one. <laughs> like that's Babylon in me all the time. I'm wanting just a little more than I currently have. And it doesn't matter what I have. I can have the best of something in a year. It will be second best of something. And I want the best of something. <laughs> like That system, uh, the system of empire, and sometimes ends justifying the means or my own tendency to exclude others or even use Jesus' name to exclude others like all of those are things that i'm learning from 
the, the city of man from the Babylon that I'm living in. And I'm constantly needing to exorcise those things out of me. Um, I visited years ago, I think I've mentioned, um, an old order Mennonite community that Penny's sister is part of. There's some really beautiful things about this old order Mennonite community. And one of the really beautiful things that is sort of this city of God, uh, the, the kingdom kissing earth in this place, is a deaf kid was born in amongst the 18 families that make up this community. And they decided everyone needs to learn sign language. Not just, you know, the teacher, so that the teacher can teach. Let's have all the kids learn sign language because that's the way it works here. Like, we'll be bereft of whatever this kid has to offer if we're, we don't know how to communicate. That's the kingdom at work. Uh, and then a couple weeks later, I visited the Jesus people in downtown Chicago. Very different community. They would excommunicate one another, I'm sure. Uh, you know, way more piercings and tattoos in the Jesus people community than the Old Order Mennonite community. The Old Order Mennonite community had way better food. It was mac and cheese and hot dogs. But they're feeding 400 people, right, in this. And they're inviting the homeless to live with them. They have a number of homeless shelters that they run. They have a roofing business that they run. Both communities messy. Both have their issues. But their attempts at being in Babylon, but not of Babylon, imperfectly, that's okay. We need to try. And there are things about either community that I might not completely care for. But they're trying at very, very great cost. Extremely great cost. They are trying to be in this world, but not of this world. I've uh, invited a um, musical performer, Josh Gerrels, to join us. Uh, on screen, and we'll we'll see how we do with the uh, with the timing. But he has this song Zion and Babylon that encapsulate some of what I'm trying to communicate here. And part of the song he's singing from Babylon as a person who's enslaved in Babylon. Some of the song it's Jesus calling us out of Babylon. So when uh, Ross gives me the signal, we'll see how well we can sync this up. Function, careless consumerist consumption, dangerous dysfunction, disguised as expensive taste. Stumble of people disgraced by what I claim I need and what I want to waste. I take no account for nothing if it's not mine. 
Cause it's a misappropriation of funds Protect my 90% with my guns Whose side am I on? Well, who's winning? My kingdom's built with the blood of slaves Orphans, widows, and homeless graves I sold their souls just to build my private mansion So people say that my time is coming Kingdom come is the justice running Down, 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 baby I'm a poor child I'm a lost son I refuse to give my love to anyone Fight for the truth Or help the weaker ones Because I love my Babylon I am a slave I was never free I betrayed you for blood money this corner of Babylon. 
how might we live out a prophetic alternative to the ways of this world in this neighborhood even and in the neighborhoods we exist but we exist together in a unique way in this place what's it look like for us to live inside Babylon with a kingdom heart posture expression I think we need to stir up in ourselves a hunger for Zion. Especially when I am so easily tricked by other hungers. It seems so much more accessible. That covetousness that Babylon has a great way of stirring in me. I think it, this was probably 10 years ago, 5,000 ads a day, average person. That's the appeal. That's the call of Babylon. <laughs> I am exposed and you are exposed. You know, you can't walk out on the street without a bus driving by with a billboard or seeing a billboard or open your phone or your computer. You know, it's all around. You don't have to watch TV anymore to get the ad for Coke. How do we recognize that? How do we exercise that and stir up a desire for God's kingdom, for Zion? How do we learn to recognize the signs of Babylon and encourage the signs of the kingdom? Lord, your kingdom, Zion, come in Babylon as in heaven. That was the invitation for our prayer life. Can we look out into the place in which we're exiled and see and cry out for and live out of a heart of Zion, kingdom of God, inside this world and its desires which are passing away, according to James. Let me pray for us. Jesus, I think you know how hard it is to live in the Roman Empire and not be of the Roman Empire, so you did it. It just feels way harder for me than maybe it looked like it felt for you. Thank you that you know that we're but dust. Thank you that you know firsthand what it's like to have covetousness stirred up in you. To have that sort of call to violence or materialism or exclusion. Like you know what that feels like. Now would you give us power as you had to overcome? Would you work with us in extracting the tentacles of this empire that have wrap themselves around our hearts and then would you give us the means to live out an alternative while not living outside of empire thanks for the pictures you gave us in the stories that your disciples wrote down 
that have been passed down faithfully to us. Thanks for the words of the prophets that talked about the poor, the widow, the orphan, the foreigner in ways that help us imagine what the kingdom looks like. From age old, you have made these promises and called us to a different way. Would you give this little community, Faith Community Bible Church, the drive, the desire, the know-how of living this season of kingdomly life inside Babylonian life in this neighborhood and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen.